in the official uh, ordination liturgy, this part of the service is called the charge, which sounds like what it is, you know, do 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 charge. And uh, these are supposed to be words that will send Greg out ready to charge into his ministry. And uh, so these are words that are primarily aimed, I guess, just between me and Greg this morning, uh, but I'm hopeful that there will be many other uh, takeaways for us as the family of God because we are all, as I said earlier on, ministers in God's household, and I believe these words apply to um, most of us in a lot of different ways. And so, Greg, I have a few words that I want to read from you from Paul's letter to the Colossians, Colossians 1, uh, 24 uh, to 28. In the section of the letter that we're looking at, uh, Paul is writing uh, what it was like for him to be a pastor. And when he wrote this letter to the church in Colossia, uh, take note of this, uh, Paul was in prison, and he starts talking about that I am suffering. So just let that inform your ministry as you move forward. As we look closer at the passage, what we're going to see here in this passage is that uh, Paul talks about four priorities that he needed in his ministry, and I hope those are the same priorities you will bring into your ministry. So let's uh, look at these words, Colossians 1, 24 to 20, uh, we'll go through 29. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I look at this passage, I see four priorities that Paul has for his pastoral ministry. And it starts first with one purpose. As you move forward in ministry, there's one purpose. And Paul says it right here, to present the word of God in its fullness. To present the word of God in its fullness. You are a minister of the word, not a minister of finance, not a minister of social media, not a ministry of setting up tables, not a minister of any other things that many in the church might ask you to do or put that expectation upon you, but you are minister to, of the word. And Paul says here that it was a commission God gave me a commission that God gave me, and I hope you hear that voice this morning with the laying on of hands and as God has called you internally in your movement through seminary, that God has commissioned you to be a minister of that word, and that word commission has behind it the word stewardship. 
Right? So God said, I'm revealing myself. I'm, I'm displaying the mystery that has been kept hidden. I, I'm letting people know who I am and the way that I work. And Greg, you know what I'm doing? I'm placing that in your hands as a minister of the Word. And so we know what stewards do. Stewards is kind of a biblical word. We don't have that much today, but the stewards were entrusted with the property of the owner, and they were expected to use it as the owner would want them to use it. And so God has entrusted you with his word and says, now I'm putting it in your hands, and I want you to steward it. I want you to deliver it to the people. I want you to bring it to the world. I want you to deliver the good news to all people. And that's what God has entrusted you to do. So you are the Bible guy, primarily, to bring this word. And Paul says, how? To present the word of God in its fullness. That's a word there, right? Fullness. The whole deal, from beginning to end, every word through and through. We have to present it in its fullness. And there is a lot of pressure to not do that. A lot of pressure. Why? Because God's word is offensive. Right? Because God's word calls us to be holy. God's word calls us to live by his standards and not our standards. God's word calls people who are happy walking sinful lives to stop and repent and turn and follow his direction. And that's something that the world doesn't want to hear. I recently became aware of a, a conference that was held at a Christian church, and the leaders of that conference said, we just focus on the red letters of the Bible. What about the fullness? Can we just pick and choose what letters we want, what words we want, what books we happen to like that ring true with how we want to live our lives and what we want to do? It seems that the world wants to do that. And so you're going to be offensive. Not everybody's going to like you. Nobody's going to like what you have to say. But we have a long history of that in the prophets, don't we? Of people, I'm not sure that I like what God has to say. But that's what God's commissioned you to do. He's entrusted you with those words. And so as Paul said to Timothy, who was ready to head out into the world, Paul said to Timothy, be prepared in season and out of season, to preach the word. Preach the word, in season and out of season. For a time will come, listen to this, when, when men will not put up with sound doctrine. They will not put up with the fullness of God. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they're going to turn aside to myths. My goodness, that's happening in our world today. It's happening across our country today. Everybody wants to live how they want to live, and they're going to find teachers who will teach them that and just give them the red letters so that they can not have to change their life whatsoever. But in the fullness of the gospel, it's about Repent and live into the kingdom of God where you'll find life. And that's your ministry, to present the word. One purpose, present the word. So I charge you, 
preach the gospel in its fullness. Notice what Paul also says here. He gives us one focus. Not only one purpose to preach the word, but we have one focus, and that focus is in verse 28. He is the one we proclaim. Who's the he? It is Jesus. Jesus is the one that we proclaim. The apostles in the book of Acts, right, they were the first uh, pastors and teachers and evangelists. They went out and they had one message and it was Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 2, they say, we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Really, that's it? Aren't you doing any narrative preaching? Don't you have funny stories to tell? Aren't you uh, being witty and giving us topical lessons? No, we preach Jesus and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was the message that was preached throughout the New Testament. And that was the message that exploded across the face of the earth. And we have to continue to make that our one focus, Jesus Christ. Tim Keller, who recently passed away, a very, um, he was a pastor who left his mark uh, in the world, he said every subject of every sermon should be Jesus. Every subject of every sermon should be Jesus. This is what moves a sermon from being a, a, a lecture it moves it, it moves it from being a lecture to a sermon because the minute that you put Jesus into the message, it's no longer about information, but it's about transformation. Transformation. And that's what the word is supposed to do, to cut like a two-edged sword and to lead into transformation. J. Vernon McGee says, the gospel is not what we preach, but it's who we preach. We preach Jesus. He says, no man has ever preached the gospel whoever who hasn't preached Christ. And so when we hear that message, Jesus is going to be front and center. And so I charge you to keep your focus on Jesus. In addition to one purpose and one focus, Paul also in here says we have one goal. And this one goal he says right here is that we do this so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. All right, this is as we lead the flock, as we lead the people. Our goal, this may be a secret to some of them, is to lead them to maturity in Jesus Christ. The word Paul uses is the Greek word is teleon, which, of course, you know what that definition is because you graduated from seminary, right? So I don't need to say what it is, but, but I will, for the rest of the people, say what that word is. It means end, to reach the end, finished, complete, uh, having reached the intended purpose. That's what the word Paul uses here. He says that we are preaching so that everyone will reach the end, which is in Christ. So maturity for all of these people are at the end of the day, they're going to be living their lives in Jesus Christ. They're going to be looking like Jesus Christ. 
walking like Jesus Christ, loving like Jesus Christ, valuing the things of Jesus Christ. And that's our goal, is to move them into Christ-likeness. We want them to look exactly like Jesus, transformed into his image, putting off the old, as you said, I believe last week, putting off the old and putting on the new nature, seeking first the kingdom of God. That's where we're leading. We're striving for maturity. And we should never give up because it's a journey. We keep on teaching. We keep on leading. And Paul uses on here, he says, we proclaim, we admonish, and we teach. And admonish is sometimes giving a warning. It's a warning. So we inspire We warn, we coach, we lead by our example, trying to move everybody into looking and following Jesus Christ. So how long will that take? When will you be done? Well, I've been here 17 years, Greg, and I have to say yet not everybody has done that. So we keep moving on. We keep going on. It is an ongoing process. That's exactly right. And so... I mean, I think, right, I I think in 17 years, 52 weeks, how many sermons have I delivered every Sunday? And I think they've been very eloquent and very brilliant. I don't think that I've left anything, but some people still don't do it. They're still struggling. But that's the process. That's the journey. And we put our arms around and we walk with those who are struggling. We walk with those who get it. We walk and we turn around behind us and we say, come on and follow me. So it's a journey that's just never going to end. And the good news is that as the flock continues to grow, more and more people come in, and we just keep leading right on to Christ-likeness. And so that kind of leads into this this final point that Paul makes here when we talk about how do we do this. If our charge is to keep your eye on the goal there, which is the maturity of Jesus Christ, finally there's, there's one tempo, is the word that I used here. One tempo because Paul says, to this end in verse 29, I strenuously contend. Ugh. You know the Greek word here for strenuously contend? I know you do, but I'm just going to share it with everybody else. It's agonizomai. Agonizomai, which most of us really can get a handle around because it starts with the word agony, which means toil, straining, and, and as Paul uses it, it means to suggest an athlete who trains himself with, with vigor that he's going over and over and he's doing it again and again. And uh, much probably like when you, um, in basketball, do they call them the suicides where you run? Yeah, I hate using that word, but that captures it, right? And on this line, back and back and back and, back and go and go. And uh, that's the effort that Paul is saying here. I strenuously contend that I'm going to be focused and trained, I'm going to give all my diligence, and I'm going, to go, I'm going to go after it. And this is exactly what Jesus modeled for us, that he continued to press on, he continued to strive, he continued to give every effort that he had to strenuously contend to get people to be mature in Jesus Christ as I focus them on Jesus and I preach his word. I'm going to strenuously contend. What I'm not saying here is being a workaholic. Uh, And so I I hope maybe I've modeled some of that for you too, that we're going to be here and give the best 40, 50 hours and there's different seasons and I'm going to strive and I'm going to work, but first in your relationship is God. Second is your family. 
You got that new little guy, Luke. Not going to leave him behind. That's the primary family for you to pastor and minister. And they should never feel or never think that they're second to the life of the church. And, and I don't think God calls us to that. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my energy. I'm going to contend. But here's the most important thing that God's entrusted to me is my family. And God, I'm going to continue to pursue you. And so we keep giving that energy. We keep strenuously contending. But then Paul says something great here at the end. How do we do it? With all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is great. Because sometimes we get to the end and we just don't have any more of our own resources. In fact, you cannot pastor and lead and, and be creative to come up with the words and to be able to serve and, and meet needs and, and listen to people because you're constantly pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. In fact, I snapped yesterday in, in the middle of the afternoon. I snapped. <laughs> like, ah! I just, you know, it's like I, I just, I just, everybody is just, you know, draining me. I just, can't I just do something for myself? That's kind of what I, what I wanted. And uh, what was the source of that? I was trying to rely on my own, my own energy. And so where did I have to turn? Back to Jesus Christ, who so powerfully works in me. And if we're going to guide, we're going to preach our, 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 those words that, I, that were entrusted to you for you to preach, they're going to they're they're be nothing if you do it on your own power. It's got to be the power of Jesus. Moving people to maturity, can't move anybody to maturity. It's got to be God who moves to maturity. I'm going to do that with the power of Jesus Christ. And how am I going to sustain that for the long haul? I'm going to do it on the power of Jesus Christ. And we see too many pastors in this day and age who are falling from their positions, who are, who are burning out, who are committing egregious sins. And the reason is, I believe that they forgot that their energy is found in Jesus Christ. It's very simple. I am the vine, you are the branches. You can do nothing without me. How much more do we need to know? So stay, stay rooted in Jesus Christ. Let his power come through you. And Jesus says, with my power, you can do more than you can infinitely imagine. And so, Greg, I want you to, my charge for you is that um, you would stay with one purpose. Be the guy in the word. One focus, continue to lift up Jesus Christ. One goal, lead this flock to maturity. And with one tempo, give it your all. Give it your all. Greg Salmon, guard what has been entrusted to you. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. Greg, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Greg, I want you to.